Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Sunday, we will have after today 11 people uh, who, who have, with our family said, this is real for me and I want everyone to know it. And so it is a pretty exciting day today. Maybe you're here because you have a family member who's getting baptized, or maybe you're here because uh, you just want to check out what's going on. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Under uh, many of your seats or under your, your bottom when you sit down uh, is a uh, Connect card. Dalton and Lexi already spoke of it, but I would love to just draw your attention to it. We would love to connect with you. Uh, Glory family, I realize uh, those of you who are, are traveling and you're watching on Facebook, uh, it's Labor Day weekend, so thank you for still tuning in. It's always encouraging to be able to still do this live thing, uh, and, and we're, we're working on it. So there's kinks the whole way. Uh, but this is six weeks back, guys, since quarantine took us a little uh, pivoting, right? We had to pivot in a new direction, but we're here together, and I am honored. Uh, we are in six weeks as well of a series. And so if you are brand new this Sunday, do not worry. The series Blessed uh, is one that you can sit in on just one week, or if it maybe wets your palate and you want to get in more. We have uh, the website is full of all, our website is full of all of our past messages on this series, as well as if you are a podcast lover, just search Glory Church and you can find the rest of this series, but Blessed. Uh, it is a series that we've been going through uh, over Matthew chapter 5. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Matthew chapter 5, but it's this time in Scripture where Jesus sort of sets up his uh, who he is going to be and who he's not going to be. And a lot of people were still at this time confused. And there is some depth to this beatitude. Uh, I don't know if you've been with us each and every week, but uh, the Blessed series has rocked me. Uh, I, I have read the Beatitudes all my life. Like, I know them. We have, I've learned them. I've heard them. But diving into them, asking, all right, God, like, what, what do you have for us has been really stretching me. And so maybe you've experienced that as well, Glory Fam, uh, who's been here. Uh, and I'm excited to keep going. So this week is uh, the sixth Beatitude. And you will see it is probably the, it is no joke, the shortest Beatitude Jesus spoke, but when he said it, uh, there was a familiarity to it. And so we'll get into it, but I will tell you there's a depth of this phrase that we often overlook. So if you'll do the, me, me the honors, you can open up to Matthew chapter 5, or you'll also be in there. We're just going to dive right in. I like doing that. I think that the scriptures are going to speak for themselves in this. Um, but Jesus looked, remember, he looked out. And not just his disciples were with him, but by this time, there were a crowd full of people who've seen him heal people. They've seen what he's done. Some people were on the fence. Others were like, should we follow this guy? And they're all listening in. And so to that crowd, Jesus speaks, verse 8. And he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, I'll tell you, uh, many of you may be new to who I am. Uh, you don't know me other than my name, Greg, uh, but this wrecks me. This is probably my, my wife and I's favorite beatitude, but for very different reasons. 
Um, my testimony is a, a really uh, one that I'm, I used to be very ashamed of. And so when I saw this word pure, it struggled me. Right? Have you ever thought, I will never see God again? Or maybe like you just feel like, I'll never like, be able to see God like other people. Or this, uh, this uh, they will see God sort of, it used to intimidate me. Because maybe you accepted Christ at a young age, and then uh, your life sort of took a different turn. And you'll be like, I'll never see God like it did back then. Like, it's just not going to happen. Or I will never have that kind of peace that other people do. Or I'll never be able to see God and have that kind of joy that's just not fitting with my personality. Or that I'm never going to have that kind of hope or that healing or the freedom. And we like to tell ourselves this, but Jesus speaks to the crowd and says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will see God. And this wrecks me. In fact, when he speaks this, there is a great reversal that Jesus is promising the crowd. And I need you to like write this down. It's a little confusing. Great reversal, but you'll understand it. Do you remember all the way back, if you know anything about uh, the, the Bible, all the way back in Genesis 1 when God created you know, Adam and Eve and they lived in perfect harmony and everything they saw was, was seen through the lens of God as the creator. Think about it. When they saw a tree, when they saw a mountain, it was all, it was etched with his fingerprints. And then they disobeyed. And literally scripture says their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked. When sin and shame entered the world, there was a sight change. A sight change. And instantly they started seeing everything through the lens of things other than God. Now it's going to be, I'm going to see everything through the lens of power. Or through the lens of pride. Or through the lens of fear. Or through the lens of lust. Or through the lens of insecurities. Or through the lens of self-doubt. And so then they see each other and they hide. There was a nasty eye-opening experience that happened in the garden. And what Jesus is promising is this great reversal. And it's beautiful. Because if you think about it, with a heart of sin and shame, Adam and Eve saw everything but God. Right. With a heart of sin and shame, Adam and Eve saw everything but God. They saw themselves, they saw their possibilities now, and it was possibilities outside of the calling. Yeah. It was all these options outside of it, but the word to see God, when Jesus speaks that, like, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see him. It's not just this uh, future tense, like, you'll be with him in heaven, but it's also, it means future tense as in later today, <laughs> you will see God. Future tense as in tomorrow, you will see God, and the, the seeing is an understanding uh, as a perception. The word doesn't just mean see, it also means you'll pay attention to, or you'll experience. And there's this beautiful promise that they, the blessed, will experience God tomorrow, today. In the future, at times. And think about it, when people see God, life change happens. I mean, when, when Abraham saw God, he was given a promise, and an unshakable promise. When people see God, life change happens. When Moses saw God in the desert, uh, and the burning bush happened, and it didn't make sense. But when he saw God, freedom was made possible. Right. Yeah. Like, when people see God, things change. When the thief on the cross saw Jesus... Forgiveness happened. When the lepers saw Jesus, healing happened. When we see God, things change. Yeah. Remember Paul, the whole, the whole New Testament, the bulk of it, when he saw God, he was blinded, but then could really see. Yeah. And his whole life was changed. To see him is to know him. To know him is to be changed by him. To think like him. This is what I want. 
This is what I want. I want to experience God. And this is the blessing that Jesus lays out for his hearers. But all of them have an understanding already. I don't know if you're very familiar with the Jewish uh, traditions, but they would have known there was a psalm sung when you entered the temple at times. It was a psalm about entering God's presence, and it was Psalm 24, and they would have known this. Uh, pure in the heart, they would have known this. A blessing, they would have known this psalm. It says in, in uh, Psalm 24, Who shall ascend to the, Lord, the hill of the Lord? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, they will receive a blessing of the Lord. And in their tradition, they attached seeing God to the temple. How many times have you attached seeing God only to the church? Uh, that you will experience him here, and that sort of, you know, segments our life. Well, they did it too. Seeing God was attached to the temple, and a pure heart meant pure hands, pure duties, pure good actions. That would give me the pure heart. And think about how luring this is. I mean, we know this. The Jews thought that the more good they did, the better they would be. And we know how wrong that is. But think about how natural that is for us to want. If you could control your purity, wouldn't that be awesome? If you could fix how good you were by what you did, we would all be like, all right, sign me up for that. I could take charge and take control. I know a, I'm a step-by-step kind of guy. Give me a, a map. And if I could control my purity by my own things, then I'm like, all right, I can do this. But we don't realize there's a nasty flip side to that. Because how many times have y'all believed that you are impure, forever impure, by the things you've done? And see, there's this nasty flip side of it, but what Jesus is speaking when he says pure in heart is so much deeper, so much more beautiful. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus says, not the pure in deeds or pure in flesh. The pure in heart. And then they will see God. They won't see God just in the temple, but they'll see God in the mediocre. They will see God in the ordinary. They will see God when they go and they come. They will see God when they wash dishes. They will see God when they take care of, of kids who just annoy you. They will see God at work. The pure in heart will see God, period. And that is what we have this promise to be. But the enemy hates it. Can I just tell you, if you're a believer in this room, the enemy is afraid of us being able to see God. Because if we start seeing God, things change, right? Yeah. If we start seeing God, we will get uh, courage like never before. If we see God, uh, things will instantly change. And this is why this is my favorite, probably my favorite uh, beatitude so far. If you want to take notes, write this down. The, this beatitude is a defining claim that can either make or break a believer's confidence. Think about it. If you think that you are not pure in heart, then you'll be striving for that, and you'll miss the fact that the pure in heart see God, and that's why they're blessed. It is like a defining claim that makes or breaks a believer's confidence. I am pure in heart by the blood of Jesus, and so I can see God. And when I see God, things change. Life changes. But the enemy, he doesn't want you to, to approach the throne of grace with boldness. So if you're impure, why would you go to that throne of grace? If you believe that you're impure, and so this is a powerful, powerful, beautiful beatitude. I wrote this down, but maybe some of you, to be pure, maybe some of you felt like I did in high school, it's something that you uh, will never attain again. Or maybe it's something that you are intimidated by about other people. They're, they're too pure. I mean, they're like a seven on the scale, and I'm a three, and I just I feel awkward around, they're too pure. We like to grade this like with, with people. They're, they're just too good. 
And we, we get in this stage where maybe purity has this pious or high stand uh, definition for you, and when you hear pure, you feel shame or guilt, or you feel strange. Because in our world, it is shallowed down to something you can either gain or lose by actions. But purity is so much greater and deeper. Now, Paul, you remember the guy whose life has changed? There's multiple times in Romans uh, when he gets very clear. And one time he says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That means, like, who I am now cannot be condemned by anything else because I stand clean in him. In his, in his name, by his blood. And he also says, right, we talked about it last week, uh, that we are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. And he also says, righteous Jesus, he who knew no sin became sin, so that we might become righteousness. I say all of these things because we're going to get a little bit gospely. Because I also know that Paul has this uh, hard time. And if you want to take notes, this is real for my life, that our core desires, though they were changed by the blood of Jesus, think about it, our core desires, though they were changed, they can often be overlooked by our flesh's desires. Yeah. And did you know the word heart? It's not an organ in the Greek. It literally just means thinking. It's your core desire. It's the location of all your wants. And so what, what we have in Jesus is the ability to have this clear, pure processing heart, to desire something new, to desire something holy, desire something more, that we've been washed. But Paul says, Whew. you remember the times when he's like, I do what I don't want to do. God, keep doing it. The sins that I don't want to do, the sins that are my past, the sins that I promised I wouldn't do again, I keep doing. And the very things I want to do, I struggle to do. And have you ever, like, have good plans ahead? You're, like, going to make this positive change. You're going to be different. You're going to take this stand and, and, and shine uh, obedience, or, or you're going to stop being angry, and you have good plans, but you don't do them. Yeah. Also, the things that I want to do, I don't do, but the things I don't want, I do. Now, I have a question for you, all on the line of purity. Does Paul's sins, doing the things he doesn't want to do, do those make him impure? You need you ask this question of yourself, because this is the leading lie that the enemy will get. That we can think and act, now that we are saved by grace, can make us impure again. Does Paul's sin, once he's already saved by grace, make him impure again? Or... This is the very reason that Paul can choose Christ, prove his purity. This is the very reason that he has a new set of desires. The very reason that he wants to obey and can obey. Think about it. Before you knew Jesus, you could not, you could not help but sin. That was our thing. I mean, non-prophets in the world, uh, it's all under the guise still of, of self-protection or self-preservation or selfishness that outside of Christ... We could not help but sin. We could not help but be self-seeking. But now in him, purity has called us a new name and we can choose otherwise. There are some of you that need to realize that, that in righteousness now, we don't have to keep acting and trying to be clean. We are. And so I need you to write this down. We have to see purity not as something to daily gain. We need to see purity not as something to daily gain, but as something that we daily are. Think about that. 
Those who are redeemed by Christ have been given a new name, a new heart, a new soul. The pure in heart can see God. The enemy does not want you to see God, so he distracts you from the fact that you are pure. And so it's a pursuit then to try to be good enough. And as we pursue to try to be good enough, we don't see God. Why? Because we're trying to be good. Our attention's on ourselves. Right? We have to see purity as not something to daily gain, but something we daily are. And then it's exercised in us. Then we start seeing Christ and we're changed by it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, as we get into this, I got half of the message left. Because there's some groundwork. The same Paul whose life was changed, the same Paul who says, I keep sinning, the same Paul who says, I, I, I want to do good things and yet I can't do it, the same Paul who says, I am redeemed, righteous Jesus became sin so that I could become his righteousness. That same guy, he wrote to the, uh, the church in Corinth later on in his life, the second letter, it's a beautiful thing. And he writes to them and says, Corinth, I need you to know, and if you've been with Glory Church, you've heard this section, but we're about to read right afterwards. He looks at them and he says, I need you to know that all of us who've been redeemed, he uses this word, we have unveiled faces. And we are able with unveiled faces to see the glory of the Lord. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, with unveiled faces, we can see the glory of the Lord as though it's reflected in a mirror. And we are being transformed into that image from one degree of glory to the next. In other words, Paul is saying, if you've been in Christ and you are a new creation, you have this, un you can see. And now that you can see, there's a degree of glory that he's going to change you each and every day. And transformation is taking root in you. And it's not because you're impure. It's because you are pure. Pure in heart. And now your habits are being transformed. You're being made by one degree of glory to the next into his image. And then, chapter 4. This is where we're going to pick up. Paul says, therefore, because of all that, because you've been redeemed, because you've had unveiled faces, it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry. We have this ability to see, in other words. It's by God's mercy we don't lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice deceitful or cunning ways to falsify God's word. And he says, but by the open statement of truth, we commend ourselves to the, kid, the conscience of everyone in the, state of, in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is being veiled, this is the closed eyes piece, even if people can't see the truth that we're speaking, we'll still do it. But then it's blinded because the God of this world has blinded them. It says, it's blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. But we, we don't proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Christ Jesus as the Lord and ourselves as his slaves. Now, as we get into this, uh, I just got three things for you, and I don't know why I'm, I'm going to do that. I hate it. It feels like the, the thing that the pastor should do is give you three things, but it literally lines out this out. And so as we talk about purity, the fact is some of you need to realize the biggest attack on who you are in Christ will be your claim of whether or not you deeply believe you are cleansed by him. Um, yeah. Think about that. 
Some of you, you've known it, you've dealt with this. You've realized that my sins and stains were paid for by the blood of Jesus, and now in newness I walk. And sometimes the enemy wants you to think impure, but it's like this, this change of, right, I'm pure. And then we have to constantly speak that over us. But some of you, uh, that's something you need to remember. The, the purity is not something I need to daily gain to be better. It's something I am. And so in this unveiled face, with these eyes that can see God, there's some things that we need to learn. Because the enemy is at work trying to um, not let us see this. And so Paul very clearly says we have unveiled faces, but we also do a couple things. As people who, uh, who are to, to minister with clarity, as people who are to minister with an unveiled, open-eyed face. And so he says a couple things, and the first one is we don't lose heart. Now, we can quickly overlook this, but I will tell you right now that to lose heart is to be discouraged, and the moment that the enemy can discourage someone with an unveiled face, he can weigh their eyes so heavy that they don't see God in their day. Think about it. Discouragement weighs heavy on eyes trying to see God. Some of you, you're made pure, but you had a very discouraging month. Or the season of, of uh, COVID has discouraged you. You've lost a job. The enemy loves to get a hold on God's pure people and block their ability to see through discouragement. And he collectively says, because we have unveiled faces, because we can see, because we've been changed, and we are transformed from day in, day out, we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. And notice the we word in that. There is a, uh, a, a community attached to this. We don't lose heart. Maybe some of you um, have been discouraged lately. You've lost heart. you felt heavy lately. And the reason is because you have done it. You have brought it to the we. We don't lose heart, Paul says. Us with unveiled faces, those who are pure in heart, they don't lose heart because they're together. There's this road, it's this beautiful thing of saying, uh, I'm not discouraged because we are doing this together. And so even if it fails, even if we don't do, even if it's hard, we are going to keep going. We're going to keep our eyes on the right thing. We are discouraged. Because when I struggle, you can remind me of who I am in Christ. Right? That's why we need a we. Even when I struggle to see the next degree of glory that I've gained, you can speak it over me. I'm not discouraged. Because I'm pure in heart. And God has transformed me, and I can see him. And so this we word continues, and Paul also says we renounce. He says we renounce the shameful things that one hides. We renounce them. Uh, and it's very, I need you to realize, shameful things are not just actions. Sometimes shameful things are the fears that have been plaguing you about what's next. And the, the, the enemy loves to take those who are pure in heart, who can see God, who can approach the throne of grace with boldness, who can ask God of anything and mountains are moved. He wants you to be overwhelmed by the fears. He wants you to be overwhelmed. Shameful things don't just are our actions. Sometimes they're doubts. Sometimes they're heavy feelings. Sometimes they're past memories. Shameful things are sometimes unforgiven things from your past. Shameful things are sometimes reoccurring nightmares and dreams. And, and I know that like sounds weird, but think about it. How often have you thought you're still not good because of a bad dream of something in the past? Uh, or, or like a reoccurring thought? If the enemy can get you into believing this, he will focus on the shameful thing 
and you'll miss the pure and heart see God. The blessed, they see God. And so as we get into this, I just want to say the renounce. That's a weird word. I'm not, I'm not used to the word renounce in my, in my vocabulary, uh, but renounce literally means Webster says to formally declare one's abandonment of something. And you may say it on your own, but he says we renounce. We renounce the shameful things. Maybe the reason you're still locked down in that thing that you're not doing, but you're still feeling it, is because you haven't verbally renounced it with someone else. Like, this isn't me anymore. The moment that I can do that, this is my story. The moment I finally opened up about my past and I spoke it, it's so strange. I feel like it's defining me. But everyone else is like, I don't see that in you. And something freeing happens to me. Because when we renounce things together, someone speaks the degree of glory that you're in, and often you only look at it, right? Like, think about it. People speak where you're at now, and you're like, I don't believe that. That's why we renounce them together. That's why we renounce them together. The pure in heart can see God because they're renouncing things together. They're saying, this isn't me. This isn't me. What if your inability to see God lately is because you got some things locked up? That you're hiding. Some things that you're locked up that you're hiding. And maybe you're hiding it because you think you're not good enough to show it. Uh, and you're not good enough. The pure in the heart can see God because they've renounced it together. Yeah. They can see God because they continually claim together that sin isn't you. Yeah. Some of you need to hear this. If you're new in Christ and that sin isn't you. Some of you need to hear that those memories, though maybe a desire still longs for them, that's not your core desire because it's been changed by God. And so we, we renounce it together so that we can say, hey, those worries, they don't have to be carried alone. Those fears, some of them are, are uh, true. Others are a little irrational. And so when we speak this together, we can hear a voice of wisdom outside of ourselves. Those feelings may be valid, but all the, a lot of them are untrue. Only a friend can say that when we renounce that together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Only a friend, but that's not all. The last one, as we end this morning is that we we refuse to practice cunning things or distort truth. Now, Glory Church, as we go about, I feel like this is a very heavy and hard one for those who've been changed in America. And I'll tell you why. Practice cunning things. Did you know the word cunning? Again, I don't say, hey, you're pretty cunning and mean it in a bad way. But this is a negative. It means this person's two-faced. It means that they, they are one way with some people and other ways with others. That they have a uh, that they are luring people to believe something that's not true of them. The word cunning is someone who struggles with duplicity. You know, someone who's one way with their family, another way with their friends, one way on their own, another way at work. But we refuse. Paul says, and we we don't distort truth. Uh, this word also it's a little strange to distort. But when Paul's speaking this, he's talking about the person who um, who wants to bend truth to fit themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to bend, yeah. bend truth to fit their agenda. Now, I have a way I want to word this as we close, and it's uh, it's like Paul is saying with an unveiled face, who I am has been changed. And so, uh, write this down if you want to take a note. I am who I am, and the truth of Jesus is remaking me. Yeah. It's as if Paul is saying, I am who I am. And the truth of Jesus is remaking me. And I'll tell you why this, this works with this. I am who I am. So when I'm with you, I'm going to be who I am. There you go. This is the most dangerous thing 
uh, for believers because sometimes we think when I'm with you, I need to act a little bit more stronger than I am. No, I am who I am. I'm not going to be cunning. I, when I'm with you, I'm going to be me. When I'm over here, I'm going to be me. And that also means I'm going to be the struggling me. I'm going to be the, uh, the vulnerable me. I'm going to be the raw me. And then I am who I am, and the truth of Jesus is remaking me. Now I need to hear this. Paul knew my whole life was wrong before I met Jesus. I used, to, I used to persecute people. I used to, when they didn't like me, I would literally slap them down and kill them. Then Paul destroyed people who followed a different way than he did. And all of those habits had to change. So I'm not going to remake my, uh, the truth to fit me. I, Jesus is remaking me. Yeah. Jesus is remaking me. I want to store truth. And this is something that I want pressed in to the Lord Church. Like, what if we all honestly begin to say, like, I, I'm going to be me. Because I don't have anything else to be. Like, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to put on a face. When I'm sad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry. When I'm heavy, I'm going to show that I'm heavy. Because yeah. I'll tell you, as a pastor, yeah. when I'm struggling, I need you to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Because the moment that I do not show it, my eyes are blinded. Because yes. the pure in heart see God. Yeah. And the enemy wants me to believe that if I hide things, I'll protect myself. But I also close my eyes. Yeah. And this is something we've got to realize. I am who I am. And Jesus is remaking me. Yeah. The truth of Jesus. And I'll tell you, there is a lot of times in my life when it would just make more sense to reconcile God's words to how I feel or how I want to be versus allowing God to reconcile me to Him. Yes. And this is the hard thing that we've got to realize. Yeah. That at times when we mess up or at times when we see things wrong, we just want it to be like, we want to bend the truth to fit with us. And Jesus says, no, the pure in heart, they see God and they are bent to me. Yeah. Like they are aligned with me. So I need you to know, maybe lately you've been distorting or overlooking truth. The moment we deceive, the moment we put on a face, the moment you uh, try to distort the truth is the second your eyes will become clouded. The second. So this morning as we close, I just have a question for you. Why might your eyes be clouded lately? If you're a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. If you've been made pure by him, why maybe have you not been seeing God lately? Is it because you have a, you've been discouraged? Do you know, own, up, own up on the discouragement piece? Maybe you need to claim that out and speak it. Is it because you've had, hid some things, shameful things of your past, and you need someone to speak in? No, like, that's not you anymore. Like, I see God in you. Is that why your eyes have been clouded? Or is it this last one? That for a while, you've just been putting on a happy face, denying the heaviness of your heart. Whatever it may be, there is something that the enemy has been pressing in that has been clouding your sight because he's afraid of you seeing. He's afraid of you seeing. So as we close, will you pray with me? God, will you forgive me for every time that I have distorted truth to justify why I shouldn't go there or why I shouldn't give up or why I shouldn't apologize? 
Will you forgive me for every time that I have said discouragement and it has come out in anger or bitterness? Forgive me for every time that I have believed that me striving to be better will be the answer. So God, in this place, I pray that we can be aware. That we can realize. That we can come together. That we can own the fact that, uh, that you're here and you have been changing us. Pray that we could be a church that does the we really well. Yeah. That when I'm discouraged, we can take heart together. That when I feel pulled down in fears or doubts, that we can stand up together. That when I struggle to be present and vulnerable, we can press in further. For your glory, Jesus. In your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.